0: Hello and welcome to the Forward Unto Dawn podcast, being confused with the live action series of the same name since 2012. This is episode eight. I am David Fuchs, aka Dangerous Dave, and I'm joined by our two regulars.
1: This is Danny, also known as Slightly Live. How are you doing?
2: And this is Isaac. Uh, I also go by Postmortem Online.
1: So
0: our last podcast was grilling Isaac and uh, staff member Ben about their PAX Prime experiences. Since then, we've seen torrents of new gameplay information, map reveals, etc. But we've also gotten some big new fiction releases as well, uh, which are the subject of today's episode. Namely, the live-action trailer Scanned, which premiered early October 19th the continuing serial we have nothing to do with forward unto dawn which as of this recording is more than halfway done and finally the sequel to halo glasslands uh karen travis's the thursday war or as i've aggressively pushed for it to be known on the forums glass harder so we're going to be talking spoilers for all this content um so if you haven't watched scanned uh you really owe it to yourself to pause this podcast and watch it Uh, The Thursday War hasn't been out that long in some territories, uh, so fair warning. We're going to transition from general comments uh, to nitty-gritty plot developments. I guess we'll start with Scan, since that's the flashiest thing to come out of Halo 4's marketing thus far. Um, It's at full length, about 2 minutes 20 seconds. There's been some rumors of a longer version. David Fincher uh, produced it. Uh, The basic rundown is that the Chief has been captured by an unknown force, most likely the Didact, um, and is being mind probed. We see flashbacks to the Chief's life from a small age to his abduction into the Spartan program, augmentation, uh, and his actions on Requiem. I guess the first question to ask you guys is, what did you think of the ad?
2: I thought it was really good. Um, I, I love, just like everyone else, I think who watched it, I really love the portrayal of the Spartan program in live action. We we've seen it in uh we've seen it hinted at we got some of the Spartan 3 program and the augmentation process. We got uh it was hinted at, or uh, we we got shown that in the comics. Um but this is the first time it's really been shown to this extent and they they didn't shy away from any of the details and that's what really made me happy. Um the the full brutality of the augmentation process was was clear to
1: all. As a fan I don't think I have any complaints about the content that was shown, but I'm, I am—I—I'm not really sure it really made for a good trailer. To be honest, I think I was overall a little bit underwhelmed for a launch trailer. It was with your your heart pumping, your your hands searching for your wallet, you know, get hyped up, and I didn't really feel all that hyped they had a lot of content there. They had this so-called epic background of the Master Chief in his childhood, and they had this battle with the Promethean units, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and it just didn't blow up. It didn't feel hype-worthy. It was like, that's a nice ad. Okay. It just didn't come together overall. All the little things that should have made it work, but I don't think it worked overall as as much as I would have hoped it would have.
2: Yeah, and I agree with you on that, unfortunately. I I think we've, I don't want to say we've been spoiled by the uh, the, the Bungie Halo marketing, um, but I, I do think we've been spoiled by the Bungie Halo marketing. Those were just some of the best trailers for any game or, or even movie I've ever seen. Uh, and these, I think as Dave pointed out, seem very lacking in kind of a, a narrative progression. And, um, and then one of my biggest complaints is that they, they keep uh, I'll just I'll just say this pretty bluntly. Uh, they keep botching the the music opportunities with the trailers. I feel like the Halo Four trailers so far have kind of missed their mark on that note.
0: Yeah, I did. I did think to me it was interesting how they did some parts definitely better than previous um, commercials. Because what really got me about um, the Halo Reach Birth of a Spartan was that it didn't like we said it didn't really depict it. The augmentation in a way that really made sense. They have all these people getting augmented, but there's only one person in this room, etc. It didn't really seem that uh, physical and raw. And here you definitely got a much bigger sense of how harrowing that would be.
2: Uh, actually, that's one of the parts that really interested me. Um, when they portrayed Project Chrysanthemum in Birth of a, of a Spartan, the, the augmentation process for the Spartan 3s. If you look at it compared to this one, you could almost say that thematically it, it it's accurate in the sense that you can see how much the process has improved between the Spartan 2s and the Spartan 3s. It, it may not be accurate from what we read in Ghosts of Onyx, um, but for those who aren't going to dive too much into the extended fiction, if they compare those two trailers, it gives you an, an immediate idea of, of the differences between the two projects, which I think is kind of cool. Mm-hmm.
1: but the, again that's that's something that the hardcore fans would look at and appreciate and um, again it's those same hardcore fans that would pick out all the problems
0: well again yeah, I mean it definitely to me I guess the the ultimate if not failing just the tension with the trailer to me is I'm not sure if you were not a big Halo fan how much you would have get out of it because there's a lot of stuff that Oh, I know exactly what this is. Like, this is, that's supposed to be John, and then here's him getting replaced by a clone, and et cetera, et cetera. And I get, you can get a fair amount of that from it, but I'm not sure if it's lost.
1: One of the things I, th- well, one, yeah, one of the things I thought was a bit weird is that, um, you see on, on the beach, wild uh, obviously he's probably being watched at the time or whatever, and he looks towards his mom, and, um, and there's Five Spartana and that was weird because uh, I didn't think I didn't think they would want to make that reference I didn't think they would want John, uh, Master Chief to think of Cortana as a, as a protective mother I thought their relationship was going to be not, not a mother-son relationship but it's more of an equal sort of man and woman sort of not quite romantic but not quite platonic relationship
0: Gives it a some sort of Oedipal overtones which is kind of weird
1: It was, it was like that shouldn't be you know, maybe, maybe maybe it's just because Cortana is the only significant well, I was gonna say a significant female figure in his life, but that's not technically true, there was there was Halsey there, but maybe I don't know, it's just it felt wrong, you know just Cortana and his mother. No, no, no,
0: no, no. Well, the, the thing that got me about that scene was I know it's notoriously hard to have good child actors, but it still seemed weird that they would show him like making these sand castles with a, a really nice set extension, but a really fake set extension too. When I thought that the part they would really want to show would be, I mean, when we were first introduced to the character, he's brawling. He's playing Game of King of the Hill, which I think fits his character a lot better and it was sort of odd that they chose to make him kind of look more reflective and contemplative and sort of scrawny and a weakling
2: yeah i thought that was really interesting too but if you look at it again from the perspective of someone who isn't as familiar with the halo universe and the extended fiction it, it really is kind of leading more to towards their benefit i think because you get this sense of childlike innocence that is that is uh, has been sacrificed for the project, and and in some ways, I almost feel like that was the intent of the uh, of the ad was to appeal more towards those who aren't familiar with the extended fiction and, and to get them interested in it. Because um, I uh, I showed the trailer to my girlfriend. She's going to be playing Halo for the first time sometime soon, um, but I'm kind of working her through the fiction. I'm just obviously start around the Fall of Reach. And I was thinking, do I show her this first, or do I let her read it in The Fall of Reach? And I decided to show her the trailer, and she was immediately just very, very interested. So they're taking these kids. Who are the kids that they're putting in their place? What are they doing to them? It it sparks so much interest in the extended fiction. I think that's, again, the intent, to get people interested in that and then maybe to seek it out so they can understand more of the backstory of Halo
1: 4. I'm not entirely sure it was successful in getting, getting the all initiated on board because um, even with even with casual fans getting them on board, I'm not sure it would have worked. Because if you look at it from the point of view of a casual fan, right, they play through Halo 4, Halo 3, one d 3 and they know it's Master Chief, and on his journey, and he defeats the evil, Flood, and then he goes to sleep. And, and then you see this, but you know, the whole marketing is about this ancient evil thing. And then you see children being abducted. Or something. Maybe, maybe that's Master why is he being abducted? What's all this crap happening? And then, I I, I don't think the the background of the Spartan project, along with di- the, the the didact, or okay, who I'm assuming is didact in the trailer, I'm not sure that the sure sort of worked well together. It was it was how you focus on that aspect of his as background. Or you focus on, on, on the because then you tell a more cohesive story and you're and the limited amount up more time and you have to tell that story, you know? And it just felt weird. It felt I don't know, it just it just didn't it didn't like I said, it just didn't come together. And and for a new a new person, a new fan potentially, someone who's played Halo before and I, I think they've got a lot of mixed messages what's this game about? Is it, is it about taking children? Is it about this, is, you know, is it about this, what? Why is he being held up? Is that how the game starts? And, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't really lead into the all-initiated. It, it doesn't really serve as a particularly good introduction to the Master Chief's character. It doesn't serve as a particularly good introduction to what Halo 4 is about.
2: Yeah, I almost um, wonder if they had approached it from a little bit more of a linear standpoint, like starting with him as a kid, going through the Spartan program, and then at the very end revealing that he's on Requiem and captured and being scanned by the detective. That might have improved the trailer at all. And
0: that'll be worth re-editing, probably, just to see.
1: I don't know. I think, I think just a more, yeah, a more linear structure probably would have helped it because it, it jumped about a lot. It's a lot to take in, you know?
2: On the, cut, on the note of the, the cuts on the hand, I, I do love how brutal that is. Like You can see the, the marks where they're going to, uh, cut them open and, and do the bone grafts. Or where they
1: already have cut them open. Because that's the thing that they were playing It's already been done. That's the scars.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. But but before that, when they're going in to be operated on, they have the markings on them where the... Yeah, the, totally the made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, just, that's, that's so cool. That's something I have always wanted to see ever since, you know, reading The Fall of Reach. And I was happy to see it in the comic adaptation of The Fall of Reach. But this is just, it's realized so much better here.
1: I'm I'm not really sure but it is because you see the lines and then you see there's blood lines. Like what did the doctors do then? Did they just play with their hands, cut them away with? You didn't really see the whole process of their the actual physical sort of process. It could have done like a two, three second little blink to some screens showing it's Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to think from the, the, the perspective of someone who doesn't know what's going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's something The Birth of the Spartan did fairly well, is they made it clear that, oh, they're getting jacked up with this stuff, making them stronger somehow.
1: Yeah. And it's not till later on where you, the viewer would naturally tune into it together. Well, that's definitely the chief. That's what happened to him. Maybe that's how he's so super, you know? It could have spelled it out a lot better, which would have been being better overall for the entire thing for, for everything actually for non fans, for casual fans and for and for the uninitiated alike.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and so the the thing that made me think about that is uh, really, because you know, I'm comparing it to we've had I guess what you would call hype trailers like Starry Night for um, Halo three where it wasn't anything related to the games beyond just Let's show some things that fans will freak out about, and let's have a big thumping ending. And then there were what I would consider more mood trailers, like We Are ODST and Believe, which had nothing to do, again, with the the actual events, the the actual fictional chronology in the games, but were more about selling you on an idea, the Believe in a Hero, the... You are this guy sent down you are an odst and i'm wondering where on the gamut of ripped from the actual game to this is just setting up the mood of what they want people to feel about this game is this trailer supposed to take place and what part of that continuum the thing that it's it just makes me i'm unsure be partly because it's such a big name producer attached to it how much leeway they gave them to just do whatever the heck they wanted. And sometimes that leads to some really inscrutable creative decisions.
2: Yeah. It would be really interesting to hear, uh, what sort of involvement venture actually had.
0: I mean, he could have had a lot of stuff. I'm not sure what the director, who's the, wait. um, yeah. Um, it was directed by the visual effects lead of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I don't know how much actual directing he's done otherwise so I'm not sure what the exact delegation of responsibilities was but that definitely would be interesting the visual effects lead makes me think that he was more responsible for like the Requiem shots and all directing the actual animation parts and that Fincher might have had more of an impact in the actual scripting and stuff I'm not really sure
2: one thing that I, I also want to bring to everyone's attention from the trailer, we know that the chief is over seven feet tall in armor. And in this trailer, he is also suspended five or six feet over the ground. And yet when this the didact walks up to him, he's looking down at the chief, even while he's suspended in the air, which really... Uh, also helps to cement the fact that this is the didact because he was just described as so immense and tall in the books.
0: Yeah. He's definitely a big cookie.
2: Yeah. And what, what an intimidating thing to have to think about, like that our new enemy is, it's not some frail old, you know, serpent necked old guy, <laughs> but it's actually a physically imposing, you
1: know. Or sacks of poo.
2: Yes, you and your poo. Although in that one, I guess we could say it was a giant tentacle. Monster. Or a
1: big giant poo monster. Yeah, big giant. Yeah, yeah, but yeah.
2: It's it's definitely stepping up, stepping up a notch.
0: So, do we have a final determination of exactly what armor they're suiting them up with? I can really not tell because they're missing. It's missing the shoulders.
2: Oh, oh, that's um. If you look at if you look at the feet, it's the the legs are the same as the Mark uh, Mark IV from Halo Wars. And looking at the back of the Halo Wars Spartans, they actually are very similar to what was shown in the trailer. They've even got those little latches on the shoulder that come down. So I think it was definitely supposed to be the Halo Wars Mark IV, which again is confusing because we were told that the package and the Forward Unto Dawn armor was officially John's. Or at least his variant at one point, so They say that, that I think that was the first one he was issued, if I if I'm remembering correctly. So maybe well, this is a different point. it
0: becomes an issue because if he's wearing if he's wearing spoilers, I guess, for uh, Ford Unto Dawn takes place in twenty five, twenty six, most likely. Um, that would mean he's wearing the package armor that would most likely be his that the package armor was the Mark four that the Spartans got from the damascus testing facility and used in their first encounter against the covenant and then at least uh the spartans in halo wars were outfitted with a new version the halo wars mark 4 but blue team was at or the spartans were still including john were still using the old mark 4 by is it 2541 the package is supposed to take
2: place i don't i don't I don't think we have an
0: exact date. But it's it's years after um, the events of Halo Wars, so there's some sort of weird stuff going on there. I'm not really sure exactly how that's supposed to get panned out. Okay, but Mark IV, I was unclear on that respect. That's good to know. So actually, now that this makes me think about how much of this stuff they actually built custom for the custom for the trailer, like if, if it's Mark IV, then they built a suit of it just for this trailer where they're going to use it for something else because they haven't shown mark IV and anything else have they it doesn't it doesn't look like the ford unto dawn well
2: we outfit. know that i i feel like the the cinematic or the the cg parts in the trailer looked a lot like what we've seen of spartan ops so far in the infinity making of so i wouldn't be surprised if, if it actually shows up in there somewhere
0: yeah actually, that's a good point i'm not sure how much of this chief suit is all cg but at least parts of it are practical
2: and Danny just keeps quiet. I'm here. No, I'm um, saying cuz you you probably know.
0: I'm keeping quiet for a reason. Um so anything else you want to say about the trailer?
2: Oh, oh, actually there's one more thing. Um uh when they're going into the augmentation room, the redhead that steps forward, um some people have pointed out that you can hear her number being called out. Uh, and it's uh, 058. So that's Linda. Wasn't she supposed to be blonde? No, redhead. Okay. And I uh, get the, the other it. interesting part, and this this has to have been intentional, uh, the part where she steps forward is at the uh, 58 second mark in the video. All right, so moving on to Glass Harder.
0: Yes, yeah, the Thursday War. Um, I guess before we get into the Spoilerific details what did you guys think of it
2: i thought it was good i really liked you know what they're doing with the story i feel like it was shying away from um the characters that we know to be a part of the core halo book series you know we didn't get fred and kelly and uh and then this the spartan threes um and most importantly halsey was in there very little um and i Personally, I love reading about Halsey, uh, regardless of which perspective it's from. I don't, I don't care if she's portrayed as the 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 villain, the the evil, uh, morally lacking character, or from her perspective. I just, I love hearing everything about her story. She's one of the most interesting characters in the Haley universe. So, I think Karen Travis is definitely shying away from the characters that have already been established, so, so that she can work on the characters that she set up and that she knows. Um, I also feel like the book spent a little bit too much time setting up Halo Four, and because it had to set up so much stuff in Halo Four, it was lacking a little bit in its own creativity.
0: What do you think, Danny?
1: I don't know what I think. Tell us more. I think the book's a big step up from from Glasslands for for the fact that um, I know it felt like. <clears throat> I felt like there was more resonance in terms of what was happening in the book and what, how it related to the overall the overall uh, development of the story and the, the overall plot going forward, uh, especially in the Halo 4. Uh, I wasn't too happy with the not-so-subtle fore, foreshadowing about the ancient evil. I thought that was insultingly heavy-handed. Yes, by the end of the book, we know Didact is evil and we know he doesn't like humans. And we know he's on Requiem. God stop it. Yeah, that's I just that soured the the experience for me. Cause it felt like it was artificially inserted just because they wanted it to be. Hmm. And it it felt very contrite.
2: Yeah, uh, but at the same time attractive. I think it was I think it was kinda cool to see that the Didact is known outside of the Halo 3 terminals and and uh you know outside oh, that,
1: that's 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 that was the, oh yeah sure yeah are we Sang used to play with our dolls. and um come on that's a bit
2: well you gotta you gotta expand the fiction where it's relevant and you know, if they know by the way because, about the because
1: they didn't mention it before it's like oh no this is this is the elite plant number five and Elite Plant Number 5, they have Didact dolls. That's why everyone else doesn't have Didact dolls. Elite Plant Number 5, and that's... Oh, come on, really? I think... This just happens. happened... Jules just happened to land in this colony where they're all obsessed with Didact and, and stuff.
0: It did, it did feel slightly contrived to me. I
1: think, I and they're all think waiting that for their to god, the and like that is this going messenger be... walks in. And, come on, it's... Uh, uh, that part felt very weak. Like I, I, I thought the whole storyline with Jules' uh, wife... I thought that was really good you know there was some really good stuff going on in that book and um and then, then they, just, they just killed her off just to make it make jules slightly pissed off at, at humanity and it was like he was already damn pissed off as in the first place it was like it was completely unneeded and it's was just wasted this this character that you spent most of the book building up to well i mean i think
0: you can't treat your characters as non-expendable Oh be.
1: no no you can you can you can as long as they're if, if they're not human they'll, they'll probably die at some point if they're not main character and they're not main human character they are dead pretty much I I just felt annoyed there was plenty of chances where they could have done some major plot point with deaths and with the other characters the other human characters but like no 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 they're humans they're they're cool no they just killed off the elite the only interesting elite character outside of the the main setup for no. For no real reason, really, just to make a plot point. That's, you don't think oh, that's, the Arbiter uh, is interesting? Oh, you mean the you mean the guy that appears on TV and complains?
2: Yeah, that's honestly yeah, my, that's, my, my absolute biggest complaint on. with the book is the portrayal of the Arbiter. It, he doesn't act like himself.
1: This fierce warrior, this leader, the guy that helped Master Chief defeat the Flood, the Master Chief's bloody equal is stuck inside his living room complaining the Lord Hood on the TV. I don't want your help, I really do. Thank you.
0: Well, I think, I think that overall, Your names. I think overall that the book was most mostly an improvement over glass lens, which I liked. I know lots of people didn't, but I think it was mostly an improvement because it cut free from, it would be interesting to know what Nyland thought about what would happen to his characters once they entered the onyx sphere because obviously it was probably not that there would be a fairly quick turnaround in one book and then they'd be mostly using it as a background setting. Um, but once Travis Scott was free from that point, I think there was a lot more chance to expand what she was doing. And so in Glasslands, I really could not tell you who was whichever member of Kula 5. There was the old washed-out Spartan. There was the non-washed-out Spartan. And then there were the random interchangeable ODSTs that I did not understand. And in this one, they all really came into their own, finally. I could see them as individual characters. But at the same time, that came at the expense, or I guess it's its not really an expense, it's just a necessary trade-off of limiting the scope of what we are experiencing to a much smaller slice than I suppose. Well, in Nyland's book, this might not be fair because we were always following the chief, and the action was happening with the chief, but here we are just getting Basically, we don't get to see what the Arbiter doing because we're only getting him when he gets called up on the the video phone um, We're mostly following Kilo 5 and while that's interesting We're also still missing a lot of context between what's going on and seeing Helios what the Arbiter is doing We get a little more from hood uh, this in this book than we did in classlands but it's still really limited perspective which isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just it's leaving a lot more unresolved than i think most halo fans would like
2: i really almost feel like this um this whole trilogy could have con- been condensed down into probably two books easily
0: oh i feel the opposite way i think like the number of plot threads they've got hanging i'm not sure how they're going to wrap them up satisfactorily in three books
2: well, that's part of what I'm saying is I don't think I, I almost feel like some of those plot threads just aren't really necessary.
1: Look, I I think that there was there's a big problem with the trilogy so far is that this whole thing about Naomi and her father and about this whole public release of the of the Spartan project, and they just sweep it under the under the rug. It's like what the, the humanity's rebuilt. We we just survived, and the the genocides okay we, we we survived a war we survived almost being wiped out and we finally are in a position to sit back rebuild ourselves and maybe do something better but that's a long long road ahead the the Spartan project and um and this this thing with Naomi and the father that's that sort of goes into the essence of of, of these characters you know it's it's and never mind the fact that we have got the whole insurrection so well. I want to say the parts of humanity that humanity left to fend for themselves—we have this whole interesting dynamic opening up now, where there's this free market and open society, where you well, you get the you get the elites and you got grunts and jackals, pardon me, and just just walking around talking to each other, buying, selling, trading, and then it's just sort of thrown by the wayside. Hey, look, there's a jackal driving a car. <laughs> it's like what? the hell are you guys doing
0: well i i sort of appreciated it not getting because i guess there's the tendency for those kind of details to give them more weight than they should have and i thought that the book's effective even though we only get a limited perspective in sort of making clear how this is the new normal that we
1: spent at- such a long freaking time with boring elite politics i mean really Boring elite politics. I love the the exploration of elite culture, but we do not need to spend that length of time on it. But with human politics, yeah, bugger that. Looking at ourselves is just brushed under the carpet.
2: I think that has to do with Karen Travis's writing, is
1: that she's much more Don't blame her. She didn't sit there for the past couple of years and make the entire franchise ignore the insurrectionists, so don't be blaming her because the same thing's going to happen again. No, no, I,
2: I do think it does have to do with the fact that she's much more proficient at writing character stories than at writing universe stories. I think Eric Nyland is much better at doing universe focused stories and not as good at doing character focused stories. So there's the trade off there.
0: I mean, the best part, I think pretty much now my favorite expanded universe character is black box because he's such a, he's such an interesting character. And I think he's more interesting than Cortana in his personification as an AI and all the stuff we've gotten. From and his you'll point never of view, hear
1: from him ever again after this trilogy's done. He'll be swept under the carpet just like every other character. Well,
0: I mean, he's an AI. You don't expect him to go on forever. But in terms of just compare his first-person stuff in Naomi's suit in Glasslands and the the rapport he has with the characters in um, the Thursday War. Compare that to Cortana's running around segments in first strike where she's just complaining about the random copy of stuff in the senate justice and it's just to me there's no comparison
2: yeah although travis did do a good job with human weakness at getting into cortana's head a little bit more too
0: that basically is i think isaac hit on the fundamental thing that we're getting a much better character story than we probably ever have in halo at least in a full-length book but at the expense of some of the wider scope that we've seen from other books.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I do like that. At least we still get little hints, although that also is infuriating because then you want to know more like the, the line about how after they pretend to be, uh, jackals to try and protect, uh, the, I don't know what you call them. Separatist elite, uh, ships. They, they make a mention that now they're, they're, Fake Jackal ship is the talk of the Kigyar Cafe Society and little things like that. Just, yeah, they, there is a world outside there and we are just getting little hints of it.
1: But do you not find that, that annoying sometimes? But it's like the, you obviously need to paint your universe with all these extra details of things that are happening in the background in order to make it, to already flesh it out and realize it. But it's just some things they need to actually not do that with.
0: I don't know, I just guess it's it's how you do your world building. I prefer, I guess, the more background design to This was how this was done in the blah, 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 tribe. That kind of parenthetical side which breaks out of the story.
1: I don't think they needed to break from the story at all to tell and show some of the things that I wanted to tell and show. Like, look at the guy, look at Naomi's father. We spent two books and we looked at them a little bit, talked about them a little bit, and that's about it.
0: Well, I assume that we're going to get more into to address your issue. We're going to get into more of the insurrection in the next book because you no, know, we're not. Me,
1: you know, no, 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 we're not. We're not. We're we might. We'll be lucky if we get that. Pl- Actually, we probably will get that plot thread addressed because I doubt they would go and just not resolve it in a trilogy, you know. So, yeah, that'll get resolved. Will he go into any sort of detail at all? No. But the expanded universe has
0: never been like that, though.
1: Yeah, but the dude bros will get confused, you know, if you complicate it too much. Well, the dude
0: bros have never, are, have never picked up a Halo book and are never going to.
1: Show me the book on the insurrectionist now. Just show me anything on that sort of thing. We have one that mentioned on Reach. Well,
2: Contact Harvest had a lot of stuff. Or not Contact Harvest, Cold Protocol. Cold Protocol.
1: Yeah, you have those... Yeah, that was... Yeah, everyone
0: knows that. I think Cole Protocol wins the award for most inconsequential book in the Halo series. It's not that bad. It's not that bad a book, but everybody's kind of forgettable, and it has no real relation to anything except for you you get to see Commander Keys or become a commander.
2: Uh, And it's got the Arbiter. I guess the Arbiter's backstory is the biggest thing that it gives to the fiction
0: and but then the other weird thing is that they i'm not sure if this was intentional but they reverse the personalities of regret and truth from what we know so that regret is the person who wants to get rid of the elites and truth is the one who wants to keep them around because he finds yeah. them useful
2: yeah i remember that
0: which i think could be an interesting shift for truth that they had gone into it but as it is it seems like
2: a a mistake so, the Arbiter is not going to be in Halo Four.
0: that seems like a faith assumption okay I did it made me happy, even though we aren't getting a Mark V helmet in Halo Four, that at least the Mark seven is canonically similar to Mark Five. I appreciated that i'm I'm a sucker for Mark Five being the best looking armor to me, so that was a nice little touch.
2: I like Mark Four myself
0: lame. Um, I guess the the final question that it leaves, that it really leaves me, is getting back to the new normal, is that we can now out, outgun, I mean, unless the elites got their act together and basically mass attacked the Infinity alone, we basically now are the most powerful guys aside from the Forerunners. And obviously in Halo 4, that's going to get upended with our ancient evil, but I guess the concern there is have you you never want your protagonists or i don't know if you would count to many people kilo five aren't protagonists but your your main characters you don't want them to be too powerful otherwise you then have to inflate the powers of the the threat and it becomes a sort of like plot inflation um issue so i'm kind of wondering how they're going to address the fact that they've made the humans so powerful in the expanded universe and as also in the rest of the trilogy
2: well it it could be that we are uh, just like the covenant becoming too powerful while on the other hand relying too much on um, some other you know assets that we have such as the engineers and then Trevelyan.
1: Um, we aren't too powerful, but that's the thing. We are not powerful yet. Infinity is the first step.
2: Yeah, but the thing, the thing I've got to wonder about is with us relying so much on all this Forerunner tech, what's going to happen when the Forerunners come back and, and you know reactivate stuff? Are we going to get kicked out? Is it going to shut down on us? Are we then going to be even weaker than we were before?
0: Yeah, or or we lose the engineers entirely because they're designed to serve the Forerunners. I did, they did at least, um, I would have been annoyed if, if being the pragmatist had not mentioned it. She had mentioned that at some point they, they did need to stop them because otherwise the engineers would keep on tinkering things and that'd be great, except they would become reliant. So I'm guessing the idea is they're going to let them, they're basically for the short term, they're letting them do whatever they want. So they get an advantage over the covenant. And then from there, they're going to have to rein them in so everyone can understand what they're doing. And just keep them controlled by that way so they will at least know what they're doing. And while the engineers might be faster or better at making repairs, etc., they're still going to rely on human crews as a safety measure. Although, actually, that was the other thing that I appreciated in terms of character building is the engineers were more like actual beings instead of machines. And, like, yeah, aside from, aside from Contact Harvest, we never really got any... Development into that, but I like that. I mean, they are really, they are machines to a degree, but they still have, within their primary programming, I guess, of serving the forerunners, they do have their own. Thought, so they're basically a
1: cuddly AI. Yeah, I was gonna
2: say. I mean, Cortana's a machine too, but that doesn't mean she isn't, you know, self-aware.
0: But they aren't. They aren't treated as just biological machines that fix things, and that was nice.
1: The uh, the prophets, the San Shim, they 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 weren't. Silly enough to not to let the uh, to let the engineers get out of hand. If we know the elites had their society deconstructed via the the Covenant and the Covenant's war machine, and the whole infrastructure that that was provided by not not just the Forerunner technology, but the the other aliens in the Covenant, and with the Covenant with the the San Shuma, they disappeared. They took all the engineers with them. That's because I think they know. And realize how important they were, but I I don't think they would have been as as reliant on that. I think they would have been intelligent enough to recognize the need for them to keep up well, with the, the technology the same, that they were developing
0: for the Covenant. I get the sense, um, especially from the, I think the Halo Wars timeline, unlockable timeline, that it was the actual, the actual, the actual power of the Engineers was kind of kept secret from the majority of the Covenant because the Prophets would basically use them to iterate new designs and reverse engineer Forerunner relics and then pawn that off. That was part of their power. Their power play was they bartered this out. And if it had become known that actually mostly it's just the engineers doing this, uh, they would have lost a lot of their their power in the Covenant.
1: Yeah, I definitely think the way they controlled the Covenant, they needed the entire the entire coalition of species, which is... A massive undertaking to be completely and utterly reliant on them in particular.
0: Yeah, and I did find it interesting. Is this was the I saw as aside, aside from the coal protocol, which did delve into elite society a lot. The treatment of basically for the non-military elites, their society's sort of been frozen. That like you get the sense that within the covenant for the last three hundred years. Or so those were the same as the 300 years before that or the 300 years before that and you do get a really good impression of how this is sort of suddenly changed but people are still going through the same motions i did like the the, the sole appearance of grunts as like basically sharecroppers just giving you a sense of once again a little sliver of what the world is like outside of the sphere of what the characters are doing i guess then the last question is well, two questions then is, one, do you think that we've reached the end of Jules' story in the Kilo 5 trilogy? Because he, we leave him with, oh, we'll get ships and find the Didact, and we know from the first terminal uh, for Halo 4 that he arrives at Requiem, and he's the person leading the Storm uh, faction we're going to be fighting. So do you think that, I mean, there are four years to go between the end of this book and Halo Four. Do you think he's gonna appear anymore, or is his his motivations, et cetera, his means already wrapped up, and we're not gonna hear more from him?
2: I feel like his his story's kind of wrapped up. Like we we can pretty much assume where everything is gonna go.
0: They also um in one of the Bolton's uh, bulletins they had um the Surgeon's Oni reports where they mention they basically mention the Storm Fleet. So I kind of guess they've given us as many details as they want about that, and we we know pretty much where he goes from there.
2: Yeah, what I'm actually interested in is um a, a while back they they published the short story in Evolution's The Return, and then they adapted it into a really good motion comic. Um, well, I want to know with with Jewel leading the Storm faction, then what's the relevance of this this other elite that supposedly discovers a Forerunner monitor?
1: I wouldn't be surprised if they retconned a short story which in the whole grand scheme of things doesn't really add up too much you know I mean that uh, I would be that, really no disappointed problem.
2: because I, I really really like The Return I think it's a an excellent you know post-war piece that that needed to be explored
1: even if they said that even if they try to retcon it wouldn't take away from from you reading it for the first time and and being told what was and, you know I, wouldn't I guess
2: if if they retconned anything if they retconned anything, I would be okay with them retconning the date, and that's all.
0: Yeah. I mean, most of it can fit in general terms, anywhere in the time frame. But, yeah, some of it would be, wait, six years, and you don't mention... It's sort of one of those omission things. You don't mention the big civil war that led to one part going off to find the... Yeah.
1: Don't forget as well, this this came out, uh, just like uh, Halo Legends... Origins. This, this gives us an insight of where Theber may be thinking of what was going to happen after Halo 3 a few years back.
2: Although you still have to take it as, as a part of the fiction rather than, you know.
1: Beyond the creative
0: part
2: exactly, of it. Exactly, exactly. And um, it, the biggest problem is just that this elite, is, this shipmaster is talking about finally being able to speak with his gods, speak with the gods himself. And well, if, how, many, if,
1: how many people are you expecting to meet Didact in the Hill of you know?
2: Well, the fact is, if, if someone has already met the Didact and, and confirmed that he's, you know, Forerunner alive, one of their gods and whatnot, you, you think word would get around and he would have no need to be talking about the prophets and how he can speak to the gods in their place. Yeah, it's it's
0: a potential conflict. It'd be interesting to see if they touch on that.
1: And they also said they, they, they know the last story that they want to tell in the Halo universe as well, so. <laughs> the next few years, and then they have the very, very end.
2: No, that's what that's when they resurrect uh, Noble Six.
1: <laughs> like, the at least the mainline Halo titles, you could probably carry on with more Spartans, but it wouldn't. I think the last story they would want to tell would be what happens to John proper, you know, I mean, like his final battle. Like, that would be a suitable end to Halo if it, ever comes to that or whenever it comes to that
2: that's actually one of the things that i talked to steve downs about when i had the opportunity to interview him uh for community evolved i i asked him uh do you think halo can go on for too long and i I thought he had a kind of interesting answer to that and it's of course anything can go on for too long but it's just a question of how long people want it to go on for
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, on, on that note of future predictions, um, what do you think we have in store for the third, obviously the third one, the third uh, final book of the uh, Kilo 5 trilogy is not coming out until, I assume it's going to come out before Halo 5 definitely, but obviously after Halo 4. So what do you think it's going to, how it's going to wrap up? Any predictions?
2: Well, it'd be interesting because it has to tie into Halo 4, but then we'll already know what happens. So they don't want to be retreading same ground.
1: Naomi will meet her father, and they will speak.
2: (laughs) Outrageous predictions from Danny. Outrageous.
1: The Didact will be mentioned once more.
2: I have a feeling some of the characters are probably going to get killed off, too.
0: Which ones? Who's going to die? Who's the most expendable? Well,
2: there's Perengoski, obviously. Maybe, uh...
1: She can't die until she testifies at the, um, the public hearing about the Spartan stuff. So, if that hasn't happened yet, she can't die.
2: Well, that could happen at the beginning of the book.
1: Then, yes, it could. But uh, then it doesn't follow the direct continuation of the Naomi crap. So Yeah, well, I, think, I think
2: it's been hinted at for a long time, but I feel like at some point we're going to see Osman ascend to the, the head of Oni.
1: And the best thing about that is... We actually may meet if that happens we may actually meet her at some point in the future halo game how fantastic is that the fiction will actually matter and it does matter that's one thing i'm really happy about so I'm, I'm interested in seeing what halo 4 characters they might pop in into the third book
2: oh yeah and and just all the stuff that they've been doing so far to to pull the extended fiction into the game is really cool and i think when the when the game finally comes out there's going to be a lot more that we still don't know
1: yeah, and that's 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 the one of the more exciting things It's because of that enriched resonance that uh, this this that this is going to be bringing that they're going to be bringing to us as fans that do enjoy the entire platter, as it were, of the Halo experience.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, that concludes uh, this episode of the Fortunatum podcast. Uh, if you haven't heard, we're currently running a Kickstarter for a book project on the Halo fan community called Community Evolved. Um, you can check it out on communityevolved.com. Uh, we'll give you a link to the Kickstarter and explain what we're trying to do. If you want to hear more, you can subscribe via iTunes or check out the show page on Uh, uh You can also follow us on Twitter at forwarddon.com.